0: As soon as you talk about the grace of God, there's immediately people who talk about, well, they're gonna abuse the grace of God. Well, you know what? We're not supposed to abuse the grace of God, but we're supposed to use the grace of God because we need the grace of God. And as soon as you talk about grace, there are some people who wanna abuse it, but you still need to let people use it. And, you know, and at the end of the day, I don't know what happened in the first marriage, and I'm, you know, nobody's gonna die and give an account to me You know, I'm not the judge of the living and the dead. Um, So I don't know the circumstances. I don't know the person. Everybody's story is different and their journey is different. I don't know. But even if the first divorce was um, not godly and justified, you know, can God draw a straight line with a crooked stick? Yeah. Can God put grace on a broken thing and mend it? Yeah. Can God bring something to life that was dead? Yeah. And, you know, some people will be like, you can't say that about marriage. I, I have to say that about everything because I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, howdy. Welcome to the uh, Real Marriage Podcast. Uh, my name is Mark Driscoll, and with me is... Grace Driscoll. My best friend since March 12th, 1988. And uh, we did a uh, marriage retreating conference. We did some main stage sessions, and then we did some impromptu. Uh, Q and A before a live audience, which was like juggling grenades with a pin pulled. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for the Real Marriage Podcast. One, two, three, here we go.
1: This person's asking, so we, we, when we um, were advertising for this and encouraging people to come, we were encouraging singles, dating, married, because anybody needs this content. But this person's asking, they're saying, I'm dating, we're living together, but not having sex. Is that okay?
0: That's just weird. it's just really weird I don't know you can answer that's my answer it's weird
2: (laughs) well there's no pretending to be married so um, either are or you aren't and living together um, puts you in the way of a lot of temptation would you say
0: it's a counterfeit
2: I would say it's a counterfeit yeah Um, It's playing house, Um, and God wants us to be like-minded and in a covenant when we're married, and you're just tempting yourself constantly and the appearance to outsiders, um, to other believers, if you're both claiming to be believers, um, it's not above reproach. And so, um, no, I mean, the culture accepts it because, you know, oh, financially it's a good thing to do because then you're saving money, right? Um, And we're just seeing if it'll work out. And I mean, there's all kinds of cultural reasons why people do it, but it's not not a, a godly thing and it doesn't set a good example.
0: So how would you feel if I moved in with another woman, but I wasn't sleeping with her? (laughs) Trust me, I mean, you can't check, but just take my word for it. Yeah, no, that wouldn't fly. See, the, the point is when you're dating and when you're married, you're still held to the same standard. So my point is always, if while you're dating, you're doing things that you would never do when you were married, why are you doing them? You know, as a single man, you should not be living with someone you're not married to. And as a married man, you should not be living with someone you're not married to. It's a lot clearer perspective when you're married than when you're single, but it's the same issue, just a different vantage point. And I always think of it this way, you know, um, a lot of times well, the Bible says that among God's people, there shouldn't even be a hint of sexual immorality in Ephesians. If you're living together and we can't see what you're doing, there's more than a hint. And, um, and I would say you don't practice for covenant Like I don't, here's what I don't do. I don't practice for a relationship with Jesus, I have one.
1: Right, so
0: good. And couples that cohabitate, they have higher divorce rates than couples who don't. And so the cultural myth is statistically, sociologically that it works, it doesn't. Because covenant is all or nothing, and God blesses covenant, he doesn't bless pretend practice covenant. Right, so good. And uh, how many of you are dads, and this issue looks very differently when you're a single man versus you're a dad with a daughter. If a guy's like, I just want to live with your daughter, you're like, I'm gonna do prison ministry from the inside. That's what I'm gonna do. Uh, Because anybody, any guy who comes along and says, I'm not sure I want to live with her, so I want a test driver. is like, that's my daughter, not a car.
1: Right, right.
0: Um, And if he's like, well, I I can't afford it. Well, then you're not ready to be married. It's,
2: It's not a good headship start either
0: no when the bible says that you should keep the marriage bed pure i've read the whole bible i can't find the dating bed and i would say (laughs) since we're just hammering single guys um, you know at the end of the day um, if you are living with a girl and you're not married to her you are not bringing her closer to jesus and if you really wanna be a good husband, the first job is to help her get closer to Jesus. And if you're doing anything in your relationship that doesn't help the other person get closer to Jesus, then actually you don't have a loving relationship, you have, a, you have an abusive relationship. And so, because there's no way that a girl living with her boyfriend every night can have a clear conscience in the sight of God and say, you know, by, by, by living with this man I'm not married to, I feel a lot closer to Jesus. It doesn't work like that. And so Jesus is very jealous in a healthy and good way. And ultimately, her relationship with him is far more important than her relationship with you. And if you're going to hurt that relationship, you're actually hurting her.
1: Wow. So good. Yeah. Wow. Uh, this person's writing and talking about getting closer to Jesus. They're saying, what are some practical tips for me and my spouse to begin developing a strong devotional prayer life?
0: You want to be honest about our devotional life? Or <laughs> you can tell them the truth. Not, I mean, not, we're, not totally, but We're you know. different <laughs> in
2: every way, including how we study and do devotionals. Um, we, I tried in the beginning to, let's do this book together. Let's fill in in these blanks. (laughs) But that didn't work for him. (laughs) So then I was praying for his heart, that he was being ungodly, and that didn't work. (laughs) So I just realized we're different in yet another way, and we need to figure out how to make things our differences come together in unity. And so he studies, I study, whatever we're studying. Um, I do a lot of Bible reading plans on the Bible app, or I'll buy um, books that I am working through a book of the Bible, or I do a lot of Priscilla Shire um, stuff. And so um, basically, I do that. He does whatever he's studying. We also study the section that he's preaching, but not all your husbands are pastors. Um, and then we'll come together, or we'll go for the walks that we've talked about and, and just talk about what we're learning with each other. And it could be totally different stuff, but somehow God blends it in into practical um, things that we can use for our
0: marriage. So when you study, do you like it loud or quiet? Very quiet. Very quiet, me? Loud with country Very music. loud. I will put on bro country very loud, and I will study, the louder the better. The louder the better. And I, I will use, so I've got like, I don't know, 20, 25,000 books on my laptop. And I will do all kinds of cross-references, study, my study process, is a total mess that ends up beautiful. I could ne- that's why I could never teach anyone how to study or preach. I make up half of it as I'm going. I verbal process, I'm a hot mess minus the hot. It's totally unscripted. And you like structure, orders, plans, 31 days. I'm on day 27, there's 37 blanks, I filled in 36. I would kill myself. <laughs> But we're both in the Word and we both pray. We just do it so differently that what we share is what we're learning, not how we got there. So we don't we don't have the same process, but we share what the Lord is sharing with us. And so at the end, if you're looking at your spouse going, you have to read this book, you have to do this or that. No, they need to walk with the Lord faithfully, you need to walk with the Lord faithfully and then share what you're learning, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're gonna do things the same. We are we take those tests, you know, those marriage tests, we are the opposite on everything except for spiritual convictions. We're hundred percent the same. And so if it wasn't for Jesus, we would do nothing together. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so good, yeah. so good. This person's writing, they're saying, I I've been divorced and I'm happily remarried. Does God forgive me for the divorce and will he bless my new marriage?
0: That's our God. You know, even if, so this is the weird thing. As soon as you talk about the grace of God, there's immediately people who talk about, well, they're going to abuse the grace of God. Well, you know what? We're not supposed to abuse the grace of God, but we're supposed to use the grace of God because we need the grace of God. And as soon as you talk about grace, there are some people who want to abuse it, but you still need to let people use it. And, you know, and at the end of the day, I don't know what happened in the first marriage. And I'm, you know, Nobody's gonna die and give an account to me, you know? I'm not the judge of the living and the dead. Um, So I don't know the circumstances, I don't know the person, everybody's story is different and their journey is different, I don't know. But even if the first divorce was um, not godly and justified, you know, can God draw a straight line with a crooked stick? Yeah. Can God put grace on a broken thing and mend it? Yeah. Can God bring something to life that was dead? Yeah. And you know, some people will be like, you can't say that about marriage. I, I have to say that about everything because I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I believe that my God can take broken and dead things and he can make beauty and life out of them. Yeah. And, 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 and if he's not done that in your marriage, he'll do that in your business. If he's not done that in your business, he'll do that with your family. I mean, every one of us has received that grace at least one place in our life. And so you know, it sounds like this person is dealing with condemnation. There's now no condemnation in Christ that old things have passed away, that all things are made new. And I'm not saying that to excuse those who want to sin, but I'm saying that is grace for those who have done things that maybe looking back they would do differently. We've all got those. We've all got those.
1: Beautiful. That's so good. What advice do you have for blended families that are trying to navigate the role of being a step parent?
0: I don't think we're any good at this because we, no, we we don't. met at 17, that's all we got.
2: Yeah, I mean, again, Pastor Jimmy has resources on blended families. We know a lot of people who um, have walked through this, but since we haven't personally, we refer people to them. <laughs> um, it is hard and, and to respect and honor each other um, in how you brought the kids up already in your parenting, but then be willing to let the other parent step in and be the father or the mother is super important. Um, Because if you continue to stay divided in how you raise your kids from your previous relationships, um, then you'll just, you'll end up divided as a couple. And so sitting down and kind of trying to figure out before the Lord through prayer, Um, and if you need help with that from wise counsel, um, what is our plan for doing that and kind of having a mission statement for your new family and how you wanna how you want it to look, what you think God's will is for your new family. Um, and then that way when you have issues come up, whether it's with the kids or your marriage, you can go back to that mission statement and say, I know God gave this to us, we need to hold fast to this and and ask the Lord to strengthen us to do this. and But I mean, that can look different in every family and you face different challenges with different kids. And so it just adds that other layer of possibility for the enemy to divide. And so I would get all the resources, you know, books and um, wise counsel around you that you can so that when you're fighting those battles, you can have that support.
0: The verse that comes to mind, there's this crazy verse in Hebrews. It says that Jesus was perfected through his suffering. And you're like, well, I thought he was perfect, he was. And it wasn't that he was sinful, he was not sinful. But what it means is there are certain things that you only learn through experience, okay? Like every premarital couple, you talk to them, they're like, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. And you just, you chuckle, you're like, you're adorable. That's not how this works, you've not been there. <laughs> or what I always love is when you have kids and somebody that's never had kids comes up and tells you had a parent, that's adorable, that's adorable. Um, that there are things that you only learn through experience. And like for us, we don't have this experience. I met Grace at 17, Uh, we've been together, you know what now, 33 years, I guess that would be if my math is correct. And and at the end of the day, we've only been together. And so there are things that, that people will have knowledge of, but they don't have wisdom until they have experience in. And so it's finding people, because like some of you, you've got special needs kids. You're like, how do you do that? You better find somebody that's further down that path because they have been perfected through suffering. They've learned things experientially that you can't learn from a book or a class. Some of you have blended families. You need to find those people. Some of you are widows. You buried the one that you love. You need to find somebody who's walked that path. And this is where the church family has an opportunity to really be the family of God. Because our family doesn't even have those experiences that we all need to learn from, but the church family does. There's enough people there with enough life and experience, good and bad, positive and negative, that they can walk that path with us and help us be perfected through our suffering. And so the big myth is that because we're up here, we're the most helpful people. We're not. The most helpful people are out there. And it's just looking for those people.
1: Wow, so good. So good. Well, Mark and Grace, thank you so much. Can we give them a hand one more time? I did... I did, because we have just one more minute, I did want to ask you guys, what is your, like, favorite date night together? Like, if you had to say, this is it, this is the best date, what would it be?
0: We have no idea. <laughs> I don't know why we're doing this event. I don't, feel, <laughs> I don't feel qualified on the awesome date night, the how to resolve a conflict. Like, most of the questions, here's what I'd say. I don't know. Um, what, what would you want to do for date night?
2: I mean, honestly, it's who you're with, not you're doing what you're doing. And so we just like hanging out, um, whatever it is. Um, sometimes it's a movie, but not usually because that's not like a conversational date getting to know each other, but we like going for walks. We like traveling together. Um, we like, you know, going to a park. We like going down to the beach. We, I mean, there's a lot of things just as long as we're together and, talking and and getting updates on how we're doing and and just hanging out, having fun. We really, it really honestly doesn't matter. We've done pretty much everything for 33 years. So Uh (laughs) our first date was pretty awesome, which we spent like three hours together in the downtown area of where we lived and just had fun. I mean, it was was crazy, but it was just fun walking around and getting to know each other. So as long as we're getting to know each other and.
0: My favorite thing, I'll be honest, it's holding Grace's hand. I like to hold her hand and go for walks. And my favorite thing is to hold her hand and worship in church. And my view is, it's a lot of people like, I can't wait to go to heaven. I don't think heaven is just a place, I think it's a person. And I think if you're with the right person, almost anywhere can be kind of heavenly. Because yeah. if I went to heaven and Jesus wasn't there, it wouldn't be heaven. Uh, but if I go to Detroit and Jesus is there, there's a shot, it feels like heaven. <laughs> <laughs> And so for me, honestly, home is wherever grace is. Yeah. And um, rest is wherever grace is. And as long as I get to hold her hand and she's around, that ministry of presence is really the best for me. So going for a walk and just worshiping, holding hands, driving in the car, holding hands, I mean, to me, this is is everything. It means we're together. And that's all that really, truly matters to me, to be honest with you.
2: We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Real Marriage Podcast. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. If you enjoy this podcast, leave us a five-star review. We love to hear how this podcast encourages and helps you.